Hello, indeed. Welcome to Community Polls, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Polls every Wednesday at 9 a.m. here on KOPN, and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org and on Spotify, as well as our Apple podcast. Well, today's edition will focus on the review of the guidelines by the CDC about masking and vaccinations. Of course, uh, we know that over 50% of the United States adults have been vaccinated. So what is the new dynamic? And I'll be joined now by our own Dr. Alman. Of course, she'll take it from here. Good morning, Dr. Alman. Good morning. And good morning to the listeners. Um... We, I guess one of the big pieces of news I want to announce is that Community Pulse will be um, ending. Our work uh, through this pandemic was to inform people about what was going on locally about the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, while we are not done with the pandemic, um, the need for ongoing, um, up-to-date, localized information seems to be really waning. And so we'll do this show this week, and we'll do a show next week. And I would really love to hear people's questions. If you have unanswered questions, you can um, call the station or send a, an email uh, to the station, and we can... If you'll send us your questions, I'll do my very best to answer them. And if there is um, what I would like to talk about, if there aren't questions to fill up the 30 minutes, is to talk about a little bit of a retrospective, what we did well and what we didn't do so well, and what we might learn about um, how to shore up our public health systems in the future. Um, and then we'll have our final show on uh, June the 9th, which is during our pledge drive. Um, and we're hoping to have um, a little bit of sound from many of the people who made Community Pulse happen. So um, it's with uh, relief and a little bit of uh, sadness that I'm seeing this come to an end. Absolutely. And also just a lot of gratitude that this was a thing we could do and all the people and energy who were put into it. So updates on numbers. Um, in Boone County, we're still looking at average new daily cases in the 10 to 20 range per day. Um, and uh, this is, these are lower, these are numbers as low as we've seen during the pandemic while we had adequate testing. So we had numbers like this about a year ago in June. Um, statewide, we have seen a little bit of uh, increase in cases in north central Missouri, in uh, Lynn County specifically, and the surrounding counties. We're also seeing um, some increase in uh, the viral shedding in the sewer shed surveillance project that there are some scattered red triangles showing um, increasing cases, and yet the viral loads in all of those places are um, much lower than they were at the peak through the winter. So these um, uh, bear watching and paying attention, uh, but right now are not a threat to our health infrastructure, but still reasons to consider 
um, personal uh, responsibility and protection. Across the United States, we are still seeing um, numbers trending down, um, again, as low as they've been since last summer. Um, and around the world, um, we are still seeing you know, really challenging numbers in India, um, but they are coming down fairly rapidly as far as new cases. Um, their hospital systems are still struggling under the challenges with the um, people who need uh, hospitalized care. So um, uh, vaccinations in the United States continue to uh, happen. The, the rate at which the vaccinations are happening is slowing, but still um, thousands of people, uh, millions of people a day are getting, a vac getting vaccines. Um, uh, Seven-day average is 1.7 million vaccines per day. So while that is down from our peak of almost 3, 3 million cases a day, I mean vaccines a day, we are still continuing to vaccinate our um, population. Every person in the United States over the age of 12 can get vaccinated. So anybody 12 years old and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines are free. Um, sometimes people might ask for your insurance card, but if you do not have insurance, the vaccine is still free to you without any charge. Um, and there are, if people cannot get to a vaccination site, there are um, resources for free rides through private and public um, uh, uh, resources. Um, and the CDC, about a week or so ago, published new guidelines for people who were vaccinated. And that has, people have had some really strong responses to that. So first I wanted to go through what um, the recommendations are. So if you are fully vaccinated, and fully vaccinated means that you have received um, the recommended vaccines in the series, so the Pfizer and the Moderna, the messenger RNA vaccines, um, are, it's recommended that you get two doses of those three to four weeks apart. And the um, Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a single dose. So once you have received either one of the Johnson & Johnson or both of the messenger RNA vaccines, and then it has been two weeks since then, you are considered fully vaccinated for COVID-19. And the CDC wants you to know that you can resume activities that you did before the pandemic. And uh, that um, mask wearing is not going to be um, recommended in most uh, activities. Also, distancing is not going to be recommended. And I just want to remind people, these are guidelines. They're not laws. They are not um, being enforced by um, law enforcement in any way. They are, you know, they are guidelines, and so there are... Um, people who would feel responsible to follow them and encourage you to follow them. So there are some places where the fully vaccinated would need to um, take some precautions. Um, they, and that is, um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find it right here, but it is for sure when you ride on, like wherever it's required by law, so federal 
regulations require that people who travel by public transit, so on buses, trains, and planes, would need to wear a mask and um, uh, practice social distancing when possible. It, of course, can't do that on many forms of transportation. And um, if you travel internationally for, to many countries, you will be required um, to prove um, to be tested and show a negative test result or to show documentation that you have recovered from the virus within the last three months before you would be allowed to re-enter the United States without quarantine. Um, but for all other travel, people who are fully vaccinated would not need to quarantine before and after or get tested. It is still recommended that everyone, regardless of the vaccine status, if they have symptoms of COVID, that they would get tested, they would wear a mask and they would social distance, and ideally they would stay home. Um, and those symptoms, again, for people who um, forgot or just need a reminder, um, that is fever, cough, shortness of breath, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, um, uh, headache, muscle pain, um, and loss of smell and taste. The um, thing I want to remind people is that um, it's allergy season, and so many people can have some of those symptoms, and it's from allergies, and it can be hard to tell. And so I'm just encouraging people to continue to have a pretty low threshold for getting testing tested. As far as I know, testing is still free. It is the drive-through sites are closed, but that is, so you get your COVID testing in the same way you would get any other testing. So you would go to a, a lab or an urgent care center or an emergency room or a doctor's office and get your tests in that way. So we're not segregating out COVID testing the way we were. So it's just now part of the way you get any testing. And it's um, you still are going to need a, a doctor's um, order for that, and those are increasingly easy to get, and people are still welcome to call my office if they are having difficulty getting a COVID test. Um, we, so so there gets to be this distinction. Let's see, I also want to say everyone should wash their hands. Like This has been um, public health recommendations as long as I have been aware of public health recommendations. And there's a statistical association in studies between uh, washing your hands 10 times or more per day and having fewer respiratory infections. So washing your hands is always a good idea, and of course we should wash our hands before eating and probably after, before and after eating, after using the restroom. And if you are a person who interacts with people in a clinical setting as a healthcare provider, you would wash your hands before and after touching people and before and after putting on gloves. I think many people think that gloves replace hand washing and they don't. And that hand sanitizer is a good second choice, but has never been shown to be as effective at, as hand washing. And um, especially if you can see or feel things on your hands that you know you got from touching someone or eating or gardening or whatever. Um, and all of us should, when possible, stay home when we're sick. Um, we have a sort of a culture in the United States that um, going to work sick is something to be proud of. And um, I'm just going to say that I think that that's a mistake. And I am about 
helping to be a part of changing that culture that people who are sick should stay home. And that means that employers should offer really generous sick leave policies. So, um, but for, there's a distinction between unvaccinated people and vaccinated people. Um, oh, wait. People who are vac- fully vaccinated should still mask and take precautions when they are around especially vulnerable people. So let's just remember that our children under the age of 12 cannot be vaccinated yet because the vaccine has not been approved for their use. And there are the immune vulnerable in our communities who either can't get the vaccine, um, are choosing not to because of a gray area in their health after consulting their health care provider, or they've taken the vaccine and we're not clear that it's actually been effective for them. And those are people typically who are undergoing treatment for cancer or who are, um, have received an organ transplant but maybe may include people who are taking high and moderate doses of steroids for other reasons. Okay, I could like to ask a question. Yeah. Now, you talked about the need for um, organizations to give um, generous sick leave if it becomes obvious that um, some staff are sick, especially through COVID. Now, we know that for the big corporations, they've been able to kind of co- confront that challenge by using a virtual the virtual working system, working from home. But my question now is, for the small business owner here here in Missouri, mid mid Missouri, Boone County, who wants to, uh, whose business depends on uh, people being physically present and. It turns out that maybe, yes, yeah, some of the, his um, work hands have contacted the coronavirus. How do you think they, sh- they should respond so that while maintaining safety and public health safety, their businesses don't collapse? Yeah, there is always that tension between need to have your workers present and um, need to support those workers when they're sick. Um, and, uh, sorry, my, gotta turn my phone off. Um, it seems to me pennywise and dollar foolish to encourage people to come to work sick if what you need is people to be present at work. Because, first of all, they're not going to be as effective as they could be. And second of all, they're likely to spread it to coworkers who will now be less effective, no matter what illness we're talking about. And I think that it makes sense to be proactive and have plans for what happens if a coworker, um, I mean, a worker needs to take the day off for illness. And um, I'm not saying that's an easy thing. I think I am saying that I think that that is easier than the alternative of encouraging people to work when they're sick, just in the overall scheme of things. And it is hard. Illness doesn't have warnings, so you can't schedule for it. Um, but I think that we should, um, we should encourage people to stay home when they're sick. Um, and I think that we should encourage the businesses that we visit to have good sick leave policies. Okay, now, um, you were talking about um, the COVID vaccination for younger people. Indeed, in the last few days, a week or two, the focus has really been on the younger population of the United States. Even the president has um, 
chieftain in one of his advices also told the story of his son who had suffered from uh, the consequences of uh, COVID. Now, um, I know it's early days, but would you say the groundswell to get more young people vaccinated is resonating with Americans, especially here in Missouri? So I, that is most, it looks like the majority of parents want their children to be vaccinated against COVID. Um, there is continuing some vaccine hesitancy, um, and I am guessing that will include, you know, people who, who are reluctant to get the vaccine themselves will probably also be reluctant to um, get the um, vaccine for their children. Um, and so, uh, so that, it, but it seems that there is a lot of eagerness for people to get vaccinated um, in those younger ages. And I know several people myself who are younger than 12 who are very, very um, outraged that they are being left out. So um, in the way that our youth can be, can feel, especially if they have an older sibling who's already vaccinated. I know that our young people are really eager to get back to activities that allow them to gather in groups and including to be inside. We've had a really lovely spring, and so we've been able to do a lot of outdoor things with our young people, but we're moving into a Missouri summer where um, being outside all day is less fun, and they want to they want to go to movies and go to restaurants and do all the things. Now, um, we know one of the drugs, uh, vaccines being used for treating this uh, coronavirus is that from Moderna. And um, just yesterday or two days ago, they did say that their vaccine shot works with kids, even as young as 12. What's your reaction to that? So the, are you, I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear you. Are you asking about the Moderna saying that their vaccine also works to people as young as 12? Yes, that's what I meant. Yeah, this was expected. The Pfizer and Moderna vaccines seem to be way more similar to each other than they are different. And so it was, um, and I, I fully expect that we're going to see that the vaccines are effective down to six months of age, which is the youngest we're having um, people enrolled in studies yet, and there isn't any reason to believe that an 11-year-old is going to respond differently than a 12-year-old. It makes sense to do the study so that we can see it. And um, I think that um, all of the experts that I've been reading are fully expecting that these vaccines will be safe and effective um, in all age groups. Um, so. Uh, and I am. I think that the Johnson and Johnson vaccine is also being tested in younger people. And again, I. Uh, so I would expect that the Moderna is going to come out with their 12 to 16, um, applica 12 to 18 application. And I would expect that it will be also granted emergency use authorization. It may not happen as quickly as the Pfizer one did, just because um, there seems to be less of a urgency once we have a vaccine for a group of people, but it will be helpful, especially for um, uh, people who have perhaps a specific contraindication to the Pfizer vaccine. And that's why the getting the Johnson & Johnson online will be helpful as well. And I recall um, some weeks back when um, I, I asked you about 
um, the impact of the, this, the, the, the new string of, uh, that's the, sorry, the reaction of those that had taken the vaccine, the, the demography and all that. You, you said the studies then show that um, women from the ages of 18 and above were affected, and it was also showing uh, more with people that hitherto did not have health history or health morbidity. So I don't know if you have any update on that, if there's been any change from studies or so far things still remain the same. I have not seen any new studies about side effects in specific populations. There is some, um, there are some uh, studies showing a um, rare you know, equally rare in that, you know, less than 20 per million doses given of myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the muscle of the heart in people receiving the mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna. So, and there may be, um, then it seems that young men seems to be at the highest risk for that. And the symptom of that would be chest pain and shortness of breath and exercise intolerance. Um, and that a person, so, and that that seems to be also occurring in the first two weeks after vaccination. So um, there will probably be coming out some guidelines about how perhaps women under the age of 40 should get the um, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. No, should avoid the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and get a messenger RNA vaccine, the Pfizer and the Moderna. And there may be a an opposite recommendation for um, young men, but that is still being chewed about on chewed on by the experts, and we don't have an official guideline about that yet. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I go ahead. No, no, go ahead, please. Well, I just see sort of getting back to the CDC guidelines. One of the things that is on the horizon is people are returning back to workplaces. And I can see that, you know, that I'm already getting questions about this, um, that what are we supposed to do in a workplace where some people are fully vaccinated and some people are not? And um, it looks like the recommendations and the guidelines are that the fully vaccinated can um, return to work in an office setting and do all of the things you'd expect in an office setting without a mask, without having to distance that they could return to handshaking and hugging each other and sitting at a common table and sharing a meal without masks on and go to, you know, meetings um, in a conference room. And that the unvaccinated would be um, recommended that they wear a mask and keep six feet from each other if possible and uh, maybe not sit at the same table and share the same, uh, you know, have a lunch together. And those are going to be challenging situations for um, employers and coworkers to work through, especially since people probably have big feelings about, um, and I, I don't mean, I mean, people do have emotional responses because being included or being excluded are really, um, those are things that uh, humans as social animals are very, very sensitive and can, it can feel like a, almost like a threat um, if you are not being included. And so I um, am going to be very curious and very interested to hear how people come up with the creative solutions. 
And then also, if there is a person in the workplace who is especially vulnerable, who is whose immune system is not working in those ways that we talked about, people who have undergoing transfer, have uh, organ transplants or um, chemotherapy or immune suppressant for other reasons, do you know? Do we then ask everybody in the workplace in those common areas to wear a mask and continue social distancing and how well is that going to work since we may stop being quite as good at it? So I just wanted to bring that up that the current guidelines are that people who are not vaccinated should continue to follow all of the restrictions that we've been um, that we've been recommending. And again, I'm using the word should. The guidelines are recommending that. Um, and these are guidelines that are similar to, you know, don't leave your Thanksgiving turkey out on the out on the, the counter, you know, for hours while you're eating the dinner, um, that they are recommendations to protect your health and the health of the people you care about, but they're not being enforced like a law or a regulation. Mm. Very interesting. Um, yesterday, the Columbia City Manager, John Klasak, he talked about the city recovered that residents of, of, of Colombia and, and, and other areas should focus basically on recovery. You know, we've, we've all been locked down for almost a year and businesses are opening and all that. And he also talked about the fact that more than 40% of Boone County residents have been fully vaccinated. Um, that's on the local side. Then on the, on the national level, um, as, as I'm talking right now, um, in, in the world of sports, countries from South America are thinking of moving their major soccer tournament to the United States. They say because of the um, robust response of the United States to uh, the coronavirus pandemic. I just want you, as we wind down, to look at these issues from the local perspective, what the city uh, manager talked about, and the national level that even countries want to play a, a tournament in the U.S. with, with crowds being present. Um, well, this is news to me. Thank you for telling me, since I don't um, typically follow sports. I was unaware of that. <laughs> I think that, you know, there's, it's similar to the question about what is Japan going to do about the Olympics. Yes. So having large groups of people travel internationally, especially from places where the um, rate of community transmission of COVID is high and the vaccination rate is low, um, those are really important policy questions, and I would think those would require some careful study about ways to reduce the very likely probability that those would be spreading events that if, I mean, this is the thing we've noticed throughout the pandemic. So because you asked such a great question, I want to remind people that next week, next Monday, next, next Wednesday, will be our last regular Community Pulse show. Um, and uh, we will be, I'm really hoping that if people have questions, that they will email those to the station or call the station with those, those questions. Um, and then the following week on January, I mean, June the 9th, we will um, have our farewell show during our pledge drive. So we'll be pledge pitching, and I'm hoping to get um, little, at least some little snippets from the voices that you've become familiar with over the last um, little bit more than a year that we did this Community Pulse show um, and uh, celebrate having the big part of 
that wave of the pandemic in the rearview mirror. Um, and um, as you know, the future is looking less um, concerning. Um, and that's, I think, something worth um, marking. So we'll be doing that in two weeks from today. Um, one week from today, we'll be doing a little bit of a um, informational wrap-up. And then two weeks from today, we'll be doing the wrap-up of the show. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Alleman. You have really been a pillar in this tough period for everyone. And definitely, we look forward to that last edition you talked about. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. And thank you, listeners, for listening to Community Polls. You can always catch the show again live on Wednesday at 9 a.m. Thanks for tuning in to Community Polls. 51% comes up next. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.